This is Laura Dierdo with the Becker Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Craig Gold, Administrator of Virginia Center for Eye Surgery. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about and a lot of ground to cover, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, my background, I really started my career in the Navy. I was in the Navy for 20 years as a hospital corpsman. Um, I re- retired from active duty back in 2013, and since then I've been uh, I've worked in several different practices as a uh, practice administrator, mostly in primary care and you know, in outpatient services. And then I worked as a uh, a uh, quality improvement consultant for a few years, and I just started working at an ambulatory surgery center about five months ago. Oh, fantastic. So um, it's really, you know, a newer position for you at the surgery center. And I'm wondering, what do you bring with you from your previous experience, especially um, in the military, that's been helpful for you as you dive into the surgery center? Uh, a great deal, actually. Um, as In terms of management and leadership, I've brought in, a, a, uh, I think, a perspective that a lot of people aren't so much used to in that, you know, we're I try to be mission driven. You know, every every day is a new mission. Every every schedule is a new mission, um, and accomplishing that mission is is a priority. But at the same time, um, knowing how to get people motivated and keep them engaged in their day to day activities um, is, is a big part of the job keeping people focused on what's on the task at hand and on the the plan for the future. Absolutely. I can imagine, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, that can be a challenge just keeping focused on the main thing and then looking long-term as well to achieve your goals for whatever those may be. Right. Got it. Interesting. Well, I'm wondering, you know, given your, your role at Virginia Center for Eye Surgery, what are some of the most interesting trends that you're following in healthcare today? What's really uh, consuming most of your time? Uh, up until, I can't say up until recently, because that makes it sound like it starts, but I think uh, COVID has utilized a lot of my time. Um, that, and that's something that I wasn't expecting when I, when I took this role, that the, uh, the CMS requirements for all staff be vaccinated, um, making sure we have a plan in action to, to keep our patients safe. Um, we screen all of our patients before they come in. Uh, and, and how, you know, tr- trying to see into the, into, into the looking glass and, and see how things are going to be affected in the future. As new variants come out, are we going to have to, uh, are we going to have to keep an eye on the hospital occupancy in the area? Maybe are we going to be forced to draw down our volume? Um, is it going to affect our numbers? Are they going to put another hold on elective surgeries in the area like they did last year before I got here? Um, so it's something that's always kind of lingering in the background. Um, otherwise, the other big thing that's really taken a lot of my time is is the um, quote-unquote great resignation. Um, before I got here and then even in my first few months, there were, there was a great deal of turnover in the clinical staff, um, mostly because there were so many opportunities opening up at hospitals that were offering these um, just – 
incredible sign-on bonuses that we just couldn't compete with. I mean, it's hard when we're a, we're an ambulatory surgery center. We have a lot of benefits to offer, but when the hospital down the street is offering a $15,000 sign-on bonus, it's really hard to compete with something like that. So we lost quite a few people um, for reasons such as that. At the same time, there were people who had been working at hospitals who kind of got burnt out um, over the past couple of years that we they saw us as an opportunity to kind of scale back their uh, their 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 work life balance really to really rebalance because we don't you know we don't have a lot of we don't have any forced overtime we're on, our clinical staff only works four days a week ten hour days so compared comparatively to somebody who's coming out of the ICU or coming off of one of the uh, med surge floors at the hospital we were much tamer so there was really a big shift in in the environments of care that that the nurses in particular but also you know some of our surgical techs um there was a real shift in what they were looking for some of them got, had been burnt out and they came to us other ones they saw great opportunities to to move towards the hospital and they took those opportunities you know, they, they wanted to see the bonuses and and hourly wages that we could compete with so between those two things, it's occupied a lot of my time. I, I can imagine, you know, as you mentioned, both things are of a huge concern for surgery centers across the U.S. And, um, you know, when you're looking at that, both have to do with staffing and, and just really um, making sure that things are running efficiently and effectively. Um, what do you anticipate for next year when you're thinking about, um, you know, building a plan for um, running a successful center and, and making sure you've got everything as much as possible um, planned out and ready to go. What do you think will be um, your your plan to continue to recruit and retain great staff as much as possible and then um, being able to make adjustments as uh, things unfold with new variants and those kinds of things? Um, really what, what I'm hoping for in the next year is some stability. Um, I think as the population and particularly as a, you know as the healthcare population, as you know, increase the rates of vaccination, um, but the local community as well. Can, whatever variants come around, hopefully it won't be as big a burden because there's just there'll be less community spread because more people are vaccinated. So I'm hoping next year the COVID issue won't be as big a deal, and I really think the the labor issue will also stabilize over the next year too. I'm hoping so. Um, our turnover over the past couple of months has definitely toned down compared to. Uh, when I first started um, and before I got there. So I'm hoping that that's a, a promising sign of some stability, but, but really I think everybody at the center in particular and just the, the healthcare community writ large, I think they all just want what the whole country wants is just some stability and some calming down of, um, of, of the general environment especially you know when it comes to when it comes to covid and and all of the um secondary and and tertiary effects that covid has caused like on labor on supplies etc we haven't really had too much of an issue with the supply chain um problems that other industries have had where i am but i know it's you know it's had an effect on the some of the local hospitals and some of the other uh clinics around here some of my friends have told me that um, that's been an issue. So hopefully that's not going to be an issue for us. It should all be resolved. 
So stability is what we're looking for. Absolutely. I can definitely appreciate that. So uh, the next thing I wanted to know about is looking ahead at, um, you know, some of the payer contracts and the things going on in the um, payer space. What trends are you seeing or contract changes um, do you anticipate coming forward? Um, I haven't really been working in that enough to notice any trends. Um, I, I, I do know that CMS has made some big changes in what, you know, they're allowing for ambulatory surgery. Um, not a whole lot of that has affected the procedures that we do at my, my center yet, but, um, I haven't really seen a lot of changes in our pair contracts yet. I've only had one contract that's even, you know, reached out to me. Like I said, I've only been there about five months, so I really can't talk about trends when I haven't seen, you know, the previous trends. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, and it, just before we wrap up our conversation here, I was wondering, what is your top advice for other ASC administrators to build a great culture and sustain success? Man, I think uh, that question is key about culture. Um, your, your, your people have to know that you care about them and they have to know that the, your governing board and the surgeons that come there, that they have to feel appreciated. Uh, that was one thing I noticed when I first got here and I had, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews with uh, all the staff, they just didn't feel appreciated. They're, they didn't feel the surgeons appreciated what they were doing. They didn't feel the previous administrators before me were very appreciative of what they were doing. These folks work hard. Um, they really care about their patients. And we as administrators should definitely appreciate and care about them, but they also need to know that. Um, it's not enough just to say, Hey, thanks for all you're doing. You have to be sincere. You have to be consistent. Um, and you have to, you know, be situational too. When people need to feel appreciated, vice, you also have to be able to set boundaries on what people can get away with and, and what you're willing to accept. But yeah, letting your staff know that you appreciate them at a personal and a professional level is important. A couple of weeks ago, I came in first thing in the morning and cooked pancakes for everybody. It was a really simple gesture, but people really seem to appreciate it. Little things like that, I think, make a big difference. Absolutely. I can imagine, especially, you know, coming through some of these stressful times um, in, in healthcare, even in the surgery center, um, being able to have, you know, somebody that you know is appreciating you and can go a little bit of the extra mile for you, I can imagine um, would really make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I think it does make a difference because I know um, when I've been on the other side of the, the leadership line, anything that told me that my boss or my manager was appreciated me, noticed the work that I was doing, um, it, it made a huge difference. And another thing that I think um, helps to build a culture, a, a more positive culture, is giving people opportunities to shine, letting people um, have some of the ownership of the tasks that are before them, you know, making sure there's um, sharing of the responsibility, but also of the accountability for things that need to be done. So I don't have to have my fingers in every aspect of what goes on at my center. I just have to have my eyes on everything that goes on at my center. 
I don't have to be touching everything. I just have to see what's going on. So making sure you have a, a positive leadership with the nurses. I mean, I think nurses respond best to nurse leadership, making sure you have, you know, people who uh, you identify the people and what their talents are and letting them use their talents. They, they have a talent for supply. They have a talent for, you know, identifying patient safety issues, or they have a talent for, you know, um, uh, customer service and, and patient experience. Let them use those talents and, and give them that opportunity. I think it works. Uh, it's mutually beneficial for the administrator because the administrator can step back and let the the center the center staff be more autonomous. At the same time, it lets people realize and explore their own talents and get to actually use them and strengthen them. That's a really great point. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure.